think about it um, as the Holy Spirit, I guess at the end of the day, just brings it to my mind. And it says this, this is Jesus' words. He says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. And these words in the context is the parable of the good shepherd that Jesus is giving a story, which I love stories. And uh, he compares a thief who comes and climbs over the fence, if you will, to rob sheep, to steal sheep. And he compares that with the good shepherd who cares for the sheep. And like a thief stealing sheep, our enemy, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion seeking which sheep he may devour. We kind of touched on that this week in our life groups. And like a good shepherd, our Savior Jesus Christ comes to give life, uh, in essence, to protect life, to shepherd us through life. Uh, and he comes to give that life abundantly. When I did a little research on the Greek word for abundant life or just abundance, some of the other words that came up to describe this word abundant are these words or phrases. Uh, one is beyond the norm. I came to give you life beyond the norm. Another one was special advantage. I came to give you life and its special advantages to go with it. And the last one that I came across in my studies was the word exceptional. I came to give you life, but to give you an exceptional life. Those words just resonate in terms of what the meaning and what Jesus is trying to convey to us. Whereas their enemy comes to destroy life, one comes to give abundant life. The theme this year for our life groups was all about the one. It was, it is, it's going to continue to be. And something that Mike asked me to touch on just a few minutes here this morning about. Uh, and when I think about that, Jesus is the one that brings us this life, this abundant life that he speaks of in John 10.10. 10. Life that's beyond the norm. Life that has special advantages. Life that's exceptional. And so this kind of life this, that Jesus came to give, uh, it, 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 it's there for us. But the thought that came to my mind, the question that came to my mind is, how can we have this life? How can we experience this exceptional, special advantage life that's beyond the norm? How can we have that? Well, I want you to think of it like a treasure chest or a cedar chest that has uh, a latch on the, on the end of it or on the front of it that has a lock on it. In my house, uh, we have that's been carried through generations uh, a cedar chest, and there's a story to it, how it came. But if you were to see it, you're like, wow, that's, there's a lot of carving and whatnot that's, that's gone on it. And uh, I think my kids have carved a few extra things hit through the years. But uh, I thought about it that way. And what's interesting when it came and it was given to us is that this special little lock came with it. I think of it as the treasure chest lock, and it kind of reminds me of like a little toolbox, right? And when you look at that, you just kind of look and go, that's a lock? I remember when I first saw that, and just the description of it, and then looking at it and holding it, and, and kind of like, wow. And so I want to use this idea, this concept of this lock, is how do we unlock the treasure of the abundant life that Jesus came to give us, the exceptional life, the life that's beyond the norm, what, what's the key that we can have to put into that that can allow us to have this life that Jesus spoke of? 
Well, in, 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 in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 31, there's this discussion that's going on with Jesus. And one of the scribes came and heard them arguing and recognizing that he had answered them well, asked him, what commandment is the foremost of all? What's the greatest one? What's the one? Right? And Jesus answers this. We know this. The foremost, the greatest is hero Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. He answers the question of what is the greatest, the foremost, the one commandment that's greater than all of them, that, that kind of summarizes all the commandments, all the laws. What, what does it come down to, Jesus? Just what can I take it, what can I take and, and have it hold on to? And he says, love the one, right, above all else. And the second is, is similar to it, is love the ones that are all around you. The ones that you come in contact with, those are the ones that Jesus is saying of and speaking of. When I think about that, it's, it's, we use that phrase or, or acronym, OWLS, the oikos, those that are around us that maybe don't know Jesus or have questions about God. It's to, it's to love them. Uh, or may, maybe it's, it's in the area of worship when we come in here week in and week out and we express our love to God through singing, through studying his word, through giving, through joining in prayer, through fellowshipping with one another. We express this love towards the ones in our life groups that we're blessed to be a part of, as we saw photos of there. And then we're blessed to, to love and experience life as we serve one another, as we serve the, the body here, as we serve the community as they come in and see what's Grace Hills all about? What, what are they doing here? Why did they do what they do? It's because of our love for the one and our love for this one, wherever that is in our lives that we come across and as we interact. And I started thinking about that, and, and I thought, that's, that's the key. Because with, with this lock comes a really special key. It's unique. If I can get it to come out. It's actually a very simple key, and it's the only one there is that will actually unlock this lock. And there you have it. A little lock that opens the treasure that Jesus said, I've come to give you a life beyond the norm, <laughs> beyond the exception, a life that is so abundant and so rich. And so then I thought, well, how do we show that love? If we're opening that up, to that treasure of life that Jesus wants us to experience and we want to share with others. How, how do we love and prove our love for him and for others? In a simple way, it comes down to this. In John 14, 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Because it's one thing to say we love somebody. It's another thing to what? To show it, to prove it, to make it be a reality. And Jesus says, here's the way you can really show it, the one love that you have for me and the one love for one another. Keep my commands. Keep my commands. The greatest one, love me. The greatest one that follows right with it, love others. And like the key opening lock, friends, there's action involved. 
there's an action of sticking that key in there of love. And there's a reaction that comes with that. It's the opening of the lock. It's the opening of the treasure of the abundant life that Jesus speaks of and that he's come to give. And so through love and obedience, ultimately we can honor God and we can meet the needs and help people that are around us. I mean, that at the end of the day is what we're called to do. And with that, more on that, Pastor Mike's going to come and share. Thanks, Bill. So it's really all about the one, the one we come here to worship, and then it's all about the, the ones around us to make an impact in their lives. Uh, before we uh, go any further, why don't you step one more time and just, uh, just tell the person next to you, I really want that life that only God, that one life only God can give. Go ahead and just stand up and say, I want God's abundant life, okay? Just uh, tell that to the person next to you. the sense that you said more than one thing to the person next to you. You know, this is uh, kind of taking on the thing that one. This is the one Sunday we get together uh, and really rethink, uh, refocus, uh, reflect about what the church is all to be about. And, and if we're uh, going to be the church and not simply go to the church, we want God's perspective. We want to see how God sees the church. And that's, that's what I want to do in a few moments. Before I do that, I just want to say a thanks uh, from our family for all the expressions of love and support as uh, we remember my dad uh, over the last number of weeks and particularly yesterday. And uh, you were the church to us as we... I know I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> But anyway, I want to say thank you to you. Um, and as, uh, as we, in a moment, get in the text a little bit, and uh, Lord willing, I just want to let you know that even though it looks like a long message, and it, it, it started as a short message, a small message, and then it just kind of expanded the more I began to think about it, uh, we, uh, we, will, we will try to make it timely this morning. Uh, but if you're here for the first time or haven't been in a life group, and we emphasize life groups, that's where we gather together after we um, gather on a Sunday morning. We scatter to, to be the church at school, at our workplace, in our neighborhoods, in our relationships with people uh, throughout the, the week. And then we also refuel together in small groups, study God's Word. And, and in the back of every outline, there is a, there's a Bible study. And I'm saying this as much for my cousins and nephews who are here today. See, afterwards, you got some homework. So you're not just going to listen to me speak, but afterwards, you have to answer the questions in the back of the outline. Uh, and that's just a way to kind of reflect on what's said here, because uh, I don't know if you uh, have ever experienced that, but we have a tendency to forget things people say, and so uh, and they say that the, the, the statistic that just crushes speakers, and particularly pastors, that, that you know, after you leave here, you'll probably only remember one or two or three percent of what I have to say. Uh, but if you think back on it and, and reflect and maybe uh, look at some passages that reemphasize what's being said, then God will take it to your heart and, and maybe um, allow it to have deeper application and impact uh, in what God wants you to, to know and to do and to feel. But before we look at God's Word, let's pray one more time and ask God to just alert our minds to some simple truths. Let's pray together. 
Father, we do thank you for today. We thank you for what we've already experienced and hearing the praises of God's people as we sing, have sung praises to you as we've looked at back at just lives. It's just so exciting to see young lives and lives in between and as we all grow a little bit older and seeing how you impact people. And we thank you for the energy in your church. And Father, we want to be what you want us to be individually and collectively. And I just really pray as we just share uh, some simple ideas this morning that we might grab what that means to live out. And wherever we are in our spiritual journey, Father, I just ask that you might uh, speak into each life in a, in a way that's helpful and meaningful. And we praise in Christ's name. Amen. I'm entitled the message, uh, God's Vision for the Church, because it really doesn't matter what my vision is for the church or our elders, and we're going to have a business meeting after this uh, particular service, and we're going to vote on the budget and vote on some new elders and affirm, hopefully affirm uh, our present elders. Uh, but it really is all about what, how God sees the church and what He wants us to see that He sees. Uh, vision is pretty important. I was reading a, a statement by... Uh, Chuck Swindoll, and this is what he said about vision. Vision is essential for survival. It is spawned by faith, sustained by hope, sparked by imagination, and strengthened by enthusiasm. It is greater than sight, deeper than a dream, broader than an idea. Vision encompasses vast vistas outside the realm of the predictable, the safe, the expected. No wonder we perish without vision. Some people see things other people don't see. I resaw this particular story uh, just recently, and it's a, it's, it's a story about this man who had a soda fountain uh, store in Atlanta, and by accident, there was some nerve tonic syrup that was mistakenly mixed with carbonated water instead of plain water. The result was a drink now known. Maybe you've heard of Coca-Cola? And among the people who came to Asa Chandler's drugstore to enjoy the new taste was a businessman named B.N. Thomas. Thomas felt that there might, not, this might be a future in bottling the drink for home consumption. But Chandler, the owner of the drugstore that had the accidental uh, mixing of some syrup with soda water, thought a futile idea. So Chandler sold Thomas the right to sell Coca-Cola by the bottle for the grand total of one dollar. I would say that he lacked vision for that particular opportunity that was set before him. And he missed out on a multi-billion dollar industry. Now, sometimes we think of vision, we think of uh, us, us personally doing great and mighty things that will get us in the newspaper or on the, the radio or TV or the Internet now, probably more than any other place. But, but really, God is not looking for us possibly to do the spectacular, but to do the significant. And the most significant things that we can do is do what God wants us to do and have that influence and impact the people that he has made in his image. Now, and there's all kinds of ways, and what I put in your, in your message notes this morning is, uh, let's keep it simple. Now, I'm going to keep it simple and then complicate it after a few moments. But, but really, if, if you want to hear my whole message, I'm going to give it to you right now, and then if you want to relax and doze off for a moment, or as my dad used to do, he, he would lay back and say, I'm just resting my eyes, okay? <laughs> then why are you snoring? All right, anyway, but, but, but 
really, if we keep it simple, what God has said in his word about what the church ought to be about, and you could say what individual followers of Jesus Christ ought to be about, it's stated in a number of different ways, and actually, um, uh, Bill said it this morning, you, you, can, you can summarize what God has for the church as well as for individuals who, who know Jesus Christ. Is, it, it's all about loving God and loving people. If you want to begin this kind of outline with the letter G, you can say it's all about giving God glory uh, and giving care to people. Or do you want to do it which relates to our stated purpose as a church, kind of, again, surfacing from God's Word. If you want to put it in a phrase, a slogan, it's, it's all about honoring God and helping people. When, when it all gets done, uh, what have we done vertically with the one who started everything off? How are we honoring the one who made us and sent his son to die for us? And, and how are we helping the people that he cared so much about that he he brought us into existence and put his stamp on our lives by creating us in his image. And then when we rebelled against him, he, he sent the only way for us to be brought into relationship with him when, when God became a man. And Jesus arrived on earth, lived a life we could not live and paid the price we could not pay so that we could know him. So to keep it simple, what's the church ought to be about? It should always be about this. We ought to be about honoring God and helping people. Uh, but for all of us, as we think about that, we have to think, well, what, what does that really mean? And again, this is a big book. There's a lot of details about that. But again, to keep it in the, the main idea, the main point for us to reflect on, I, I want to break it down a little bit. And I want to submit to you that as you think about what does it mean to honor God and help people, you need to ask the question, well, what's the who, what's the, what's the what, the, what's the why, and what's the how? Well, if we're honoring God, we've got to make sure we're, we're really honoring God. Not, not just our imaginations for God, but who is, who is God? So who, who are we supposed to live in such a way that, that we bring Him honor or, or glory? affirmation or if we take the one who is glorious who who is beautiful how how do we magnify him unless we unless we really know him well well, who is God well the Bible it speaks to it directly God is one there is only one God but but in the oneness of God there are three persons the, the father the son and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit Equal in essence and power and glory. Now, now that's the identity of God. He, he's one God, and there's three persons within the Godhead. And we can't wrap our minds totally around that to understand it, but it's, it's like the one triangle with you know, three equal corners to it. It's, you take one away, it's not a triangle. It's, it's three persons within oneness. But, but what, is this, what is this God? Who is this God? What kind of God is he? We, we could all imagine, and people have done this throughout time, describing God. Some, God, some people see God as, as full of anger and just looking for us to mess up so he can throw down judgment upon us. Some see God as so distant that you can't know him. Some people see God as, as one that is not approachable. 
and you can't draw near to him. Well, it's interesting. God, God described himself in the Bible in the book of Exodus. And he said it this way, Then the Lord passed by in front of him, this was Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. So, so who, who is God? I, I put it this way in the script that I wrote, is that it, it, who is God? He, he's the Lord. That means he's the one in charge. And, and so we, as we honor him, we, we honor him just like we would honor parents when we're children and we do what they say. We honor them, don't we? Because we know that they're responsible for us. They brought us into existence. We wouldn't be there unless our parents got together. And we honor them because they brought us life. And, and, and we are convinced they, they should know better than we do, and we ought to follow him. Well, you know, parents, you know, they're not perfect, but there is one who is perfect, and he's Lord. So whenever we remember that, he's, he's the one in charge, and our, our Heavenly Father does know best, we glorify him. We, we, we proclaim who he is. We manifest his, his, his essence and who he, who he is and what he's about. He, he's the creator. He's, he brought us into existence. He's spirit. He's not limited to, to physical limitations. He's not limited to anything that we could imagine. And again, in contrast to how some people see God, Jesus said this. He's, I mean, God said this to Moses. I'm, I'm compassionate and gracious. I, I like the name of our church. It doesn't matter how people name their churches, but I like that the first word in our, in our name is grace. It's Grace Hills Church. The reason we put hills is because we're kind of on a hill. But, but grace is getting that which you don't deserve. And that's the God that we want to honor, to lift up, to manifest, to, to let people see who he is. That he's the one who gives people what they don't deserve. Favor, abundance. He's compassionate. I, I, you know, I've shared with you many times, I, I've got a, a lifelong you know, prayer request for people to pray for me about is I'm trying to be kinder and gentler. And people, can, when is that prayer going to be answered? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't quite lived it out yet. But God is always compassionate. And, and again, looking at God, He is not, he, he is a God that will demonstrate wrath upon judgment, but He is slow to anger. He doesn't have a short fuse. And so when we're wondering, is God always just looking for me to mess up? He's looking for you to do well. He's abounding in loving kindness and truth. In fact, the Bible says that, that God is love personified. It says God is love. He's the one who is sacrificial on behalf of other people. He see, sees people's biggest need and he meets it. He's the one that looks down our lives and he knows when we're hurting and he's there to comfort us. And above all else, he's truth. And Jesus said that, again, that truth is personified in a person. He's the way, the truth. And as we think about that, that's who God is. That's the who. What's the what? The what is that that we're going to live in such a way, together and as individuals, that reveals who God is. That as we relate with each other and as we live out lives, 
people are going to see God in us. How does that happen? When we live and act like who God is. When we are compassionate. When we're gracious. Have you ever been in your life where you've said things and and people heard and they laughed at it, but then they kept bringing it up? That's what you say it all the time. I remember my wife, you know, I used, in my competitive years, you know, when years I always wanted, you know, is uh, when someone do, did something to me, you know, the phrase is, I, I want to get even. Have you ever thought that when, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get even with you. Well, one time I said, well, I don't want to get even. I want to get better than even on you. Well, she has a tendency to remind me of that all the time, right? And so that became part of how she saw my character, is that you got me, I'm going to get you, and I can get you back better. It, is that that's not who God is. And see, when we live like God lives, then all of a sudden people say, there's something, there's something you have I don't have. Because you're gracious with people rather than being a person who wants to get even. You're, you're compassionate. You, you're not always looking out your, for your own needs. You're, look, you're seeing other people's needs, and you're, you're jumping to that. You know, th- that's why we have some of our ministry here. That's why we have, like, ESL. People come to our country and they, they can't speak the language how are they going to learn the language so we offer free classes for people to learn how to speak english because we care for them and, and how about our fuses when we have short fuses you know that does not, not reflect well on the god that we say that we believe it's you know some of us that's our issue but the goal is to make that that fuse longer because we want to live like god lives we want to live more like jesus and all you have to do is remember, well, who, who is Jesus? Who is God? Well, he's compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in loving kindness and truth. When, whenever we don't represent truth well, which we deceive people and, and do it for our own benefit, then we're not showing Jesus and God to others. So I hope, hope you get it. What's the purpose of the church? What's the purpose of a, of a, of a follower of Jesus Christ? is to honor God. Well, how do we honor God? By knowing who he is. And Jesus manifested the presence of God completely because he was God. But the nature of who Jesus is, and you see it in the life of Jesus lived out, is what we are to live out. When we do that well, we honor God because we reveal who he is and people see God in us. Well, why would we want to do That's the who, that's, that's the what. Why would we want to do that? Oh, by, by the way, guys, I know you don't want to miss any of the fill-in-the-blanks, right? Uh, as far as the what, how do we do it? We do it with our actions and with our words. Isn't that true? You know, Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and glorify who? Your Father who's in heaven. So when we act like Jesus, when we act like God wants to act, they don't just look at us, well, you're a pretty good person. No, they see that that must be God in your life. And then with your words, you're not supposed to turn the page yet. Okay, Psalm 34, 1 through 3. <laughs> says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth, and my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, with me, and let us exalt his name together. Our words will seek about who God is, and our actions will as well. Now you can turn the page. Okay, what's the why? If the who is, you've got to know who God is, and the what is, you need to live it out with your words and your actions. Why would you want to do that? And sometimes we get demotivated as Christians. You know, I'm, I'm tired of this church thing. I'm tired of trying to, you know, be a good person or whatever, however you kind of look at it. Well, 
when we get demotivated as Christ followers, and I'm speaking to those of you who are Christ followers, you kind of got to get back, well, why am I doing this? Well, part of it gets back to that who idea, because of who he is. Revelation 4.11 says this, Worthy art thou, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou didst create all things, and because of thy will they existed and were created. The, the reason we live lives that honor and glorify God, because he's worthy of it. Some of you know that we, our family, this was a, this is a great time, and I won't share stories, I don't have time to tell stories, but we had an opportunity to spend two weeks in Kauai, never been to Kauai. You know, when, when I'd see a sunrise or a sunset, you know, uh, out in that area where you could just see the colors just explode, you know, I, I, did, I didn't somehow... Uh, be mesmerized by the beauty because that if I didn't proclaim the beauty of the sunrise or the sunset, it wasn't beautiful. The, the reason I proclaimed it, because it was beautiful. It was worthy of praise. It was worthy to get up early in the morning or, or drive to a certain spot where you could see it more clearly because you didn't want to miss it. And see, that's why we want to live lives that glorify God because we don't want to miss what is, what is true about who God is. He's worthy. He's the creator. Every, and in fact, the Bible says every good thing that comes into this life comes from above. So why wouldn't I want to live lives to give credit to where, where credit is due? Secondly, be, because of what he does. And if you just turn over a page, in Revelation 5.12, it says worthy, and the whole idea is, is worthy, uh, worthy because of who he is, but worthy because of what he's done. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and here are the two words, and honor and glory and blessing. Why? Because he died for us. Have you, have you ever done, I can't go there. <laughs> People who mean a lot to you. Because of what they've done for you. you. You feel so inadequate to give them praise and thanksgiving. And if that is true on a human level, how much more should it be on a heavenly level? Everything. Everything that God has... I mean, the Bible says, greater love is no one than this that one one lay down his life for his friends. And if... I guess that's the supreme sacrifice. Are you, willing to, are you willing to die for someone you care about? Jesus died while we were yet his enemies. But God demonstrates his own love towards him that while we were yet opposed to him, Christ died for us. So whenever we get demotivated, we've got to remember who he is and, and what he's done. And even as Bill will share, you could also because of what we receive. Ephesians 1.7, it says this, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Where else would we be forgiven for our sin? Where else would we feel that we could actually stand before God and, and get a pass? There's no way we would, we would measure up to whatever standard, even in our own mind, to say, well, I'm, I'm good enough to get there. But he said, you're good enough because 
I sent my son to provide a way for you. John 15, 11. Jesus said this to his father. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Why wouldn't we want collectively as a church and individually as, as his followers to, to live lives that honor him, which just lift up him to the point where they could see, see who he is and they could see a little bit who he is because of how we lived. Why? Because of who he is and what he's done and what we receive. Okay, that, that's, that's the first point. And now in three minutes, I want to tell you the, well, maybe a few more in three minutes. Okay. We ought to honor God. But how we best do that is by helping people, and that's the how. And let me just throw this out. We help people, and the best way you can help people is by helping more people become fully devoted followers of Christ. But the how, help people by telling them who Christ is and what he's done for you. And so often we are, we are almost overwhelmed with the fear that somehow we'll mess up. If we know Jesus and we talk to other people about Jesus. You can't mess up if you simply tell people what you've experienced. And what you do know about Jesus. In Mark chapter 5 verses 18 through 20. Uh, we have kind of an oikos passage. But it, it really is the experience of a man who was demon possessed. I mean he was, he was messed up to the max. And, and Jesus touched down and changed him dramatically. Well, if someone has done something for you, 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 you want to be around that person. So he, he wanted to spend all of his life just being with Jesus. But Jesus had a different plan for his life. And we get this in, uh, described in Matthew, Mark chapter 5. He says, and he, Jesus, was getting into the boat. The man who had been deemed possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him. I want to go where you go. Verse 19, and he did not let him, but he said to him, go home to your people, which is the oikos. Go, go to your oikos. Go to the people you know. And report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. Which is simply, I was demon possessed and now I'm no longer demon possessed. And how that happened, it was Jesus. That's all he knew. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Just, just tell people you know that Jesus is the most important person in your life. And they ought to think about it from them, themselves. Just tell people about Jesus. Secondly, how can you help people? Help people by giving to the church as it gets the message out about Christ. And that's the collective part. We, we don't just do ministry individually. We do it collectively. The, the things that you saw in the video, and that was just a, a, just a glimpse of it. Those things wouldn't be done if we're not all participating in helping that get done. And funding that and, and sending and equipping and training. And some of that goes just overseas where people are serving Christ. We're, we're hoping this next year uh, to, to there, there's a place in Africa I didn't even know it was a nation. Uh, anybody know about Burkina Faso? I had to look it up today. Burkina Faso, it's a 105,900 square mile landlocked country in Africa, where Mali to the north, Niger to the east, Benin to the southeast, Togo and Ghana to the south, and Ivory Coast to the southwest. Got all got pictured there? I mean, I have no idea what that is. Okay. Well, there's, there's a tribe there that there is no church. 
And I hope in this next year that, that we're going to be sovereignly allowed by God to, to begin the process by which a church will be planted among that location. And then not only planted among it, that there will be a, a, a swell where there will be a church in every single village related to a certain group of people called the, I, don't, I probably won't even say it right, the Samago tribe. And see, we have the privilege to do that, and we do that collective as church, to say we want to go to places where the, the name of Jesus needs to be proclaimed more abundantly and clearly, and particularly to places where it's been unengaged. And how do we do that? We, we, we do that locally by telling people we know about Jesus, and then secondly, we, we do that by, by participating together to make that happen. And then thirdly, we, we help people by doing what you can to love people in God's church and in this community. 1 Peter 4, verses 7 through 11 is a great passage. It, it really talks about Paul just praising the church of uh, Philippi. He said, you know, you, you sent a gift more than once for me as I've, as I've moved out. And in fact, and sometimes you've been the only one who's done it. And I just want to let you know that, that God notices that, and he's, he's excited about that. That was in Philippians. But in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11, he, he talks about, look, I, uh, this is Peter talking. He says, I want you to know that, that God has called you to, to love one another and, and be hospitable, reach out to strangers. And, and then he says, I, I want you to understand that I've given each one of you a gift and an ability. I want you to use that for the cause of Christ. You know, I'm amazed what some of you can do that I can't do. In fact, that's what usually amazes me. The people can do things I can't do, which is a long list. And when, 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 when any of us don't do what we can do, and so often we, we're thinking about the things we can't do. Well, just think about the things you can do and impacting the people you do know. And, and when all of us play our part, then the church becomes the church that God sees. The church that's passionately committed to honor him, to, to live in such a way, individually and corporately, to reveal who he is by how we live. And then as we begin saying, hey, the mission field is people. Not, not without, we're not going out there proclaiming a message we're holier than anybody else. We're giving out a message that people need Jesus. The best thing that we can do is, is allow people to connect with the God who made them and died for them. And whether they believe it or not, we're going to help them in any way we can. It's that why is wise and is, is ones that can touch their real needs. So what's the question this morning? The question this morning is, what kind of church are we being in 2017? Now, we probably aren't going to meet somebody that uh, didn't see what syrup and soda water could be. But hopefully we see, not, not, not the, the next market strategy that's going to bring us a, you know, a boatload of, of money. Though if that happens, we, we, we'll take it. But anyway, if it, but we're going to look at the opportunities as we have people touch base with our lives that we can be Christ to them. And then collectively as God's church. We use our gifts and abilities to, to, to do all that we can for him. 
And then as we look into a world desperately in need of the message of Christ, we're going to give whatever we can to, to see that happen. Let's be the church that loves God and loves people. Let's be the church that gives glory to God and gives care to people and makes disciples. Let's be the church that honors God and helps people. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for just the opportunity to be a, a, a people that gather together because you're worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be honored. You're worthy to be glorified. And Father, thank you that we are a church that can do it together, not, not just feel alone out on an island. But Father, though we, we talked today about what we as your people are supposed to do. If there's anyone here this morning that really doesn't know you, might they recognize that the first step is simply the step that any of us who've already made that step had to make, that I see my need, I admit my need, I'm far from you, but I don't want to be. I believe that you sent your son to die on the cross for my sins and rose again so that I could, I could have life. And right now I want to make a commitment. I want Jesus to come in, forgive me my sins, and make me a new person on the inside. I, I want to live what life's all about, to, to know my creator and my redeemer, and I want to live for him. Now, Father, as we have opportunity to to give unto you as an expression of our love, and then as we have opportunity to praise you through song, we thank you that you've invited us into your family, the church, to be collectively what we could not do individually, to live lives that hopefully reveal you. And we praise in Christ's name. Amen.